It's Thursday, February 22nd, and this is the 1909 State News Weekly Podcast featuring our reporters talking about the news. I'm your host, Alex Walters. This week, I'm joined by State News Administration reporter Owen McCarthy. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. It's great to have you back on yeah. the 1909. You have had quite the week. You've mm. done some great reporting. A little bit, we've been tag teaming it. Mm, Other yeah. of it's just been some solo Owen stuff. Mm-hmm. It's been great. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to have you on and talk about it. We've got yeah. two things on the docket today. Sounds good. First, you're following... For a long time, followers of MSU News, you know, there was a hazing-related death a couple of years ago at one of MSU's fraternities, and, you know, that was widely covered. There were criminal charges, all that, but it's, you know, sort of reemerged as an issue as there's been more mm-hmm. new criminal charges. So you're going to talk us through both what all that is for people who are totally new to this whole thing yeah. and also the new stuff that's been going on right now. Yeah. And the two of us together have done some coverage about, you know— um, the uh, effort to get MSU to divest from uh, both the state of Israel and also from uh, a group of weapons manufacturers that this, yeah. that some students allege the university's endowment is funding. Yeah. Um, and we did some reporting on that and how exactly that would work if MSU was even open to their demands. And right. it's, it turns out endowments are quite complicated. Mm. Yeah. We'll make it simple for you. Don't yeah. worry. Don't turn off the podcast. Don't worry, guys. But anyway, Owen, let's get started. Yeah. I want you to tell me, as if you know, for as if people don't know anything about this that happened yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. There's this tragic death at an MSU fraternity. Tell yeah. us, you know, State News did some great reporting, mm-hmm. talking to people who were actually there, who were able to tell us what happened that night. I, I want you to talk us through that. Yeah. So basically, back in 2021, um, there was a frat party, um, and it was a party that you know the purpose of it was to sort of initiate four new pledges. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the name of the fraternity was was um, Pi Alpha Phi, um, and basically, um, you know, they have this party, and um, you know, there's hazing that's going on, and mm-hmm. kind of the idea um, for some of these parties, um, in, and I guess just behind hazing in general, is that like at least in this specific case, these people, the idea was to kind of like black out um, and then come back and sort of be like. Rebirthed and initiated. Isn't it, into it's this called a, a crossover. Party, a crossover right? like party. You're crossing the threshold from pledge to brother through this like ritualistic blacking yep. out from excessive drinking. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but it has dangerous and in this case, you know, fatal consequences. Um, yeah. So there was, you know, there was a, a Broad College student at the time who who died um, this night in 2021, uh, and then the other pledges also, you know, really high. Um, blood alcohol levels they were hospitalized they're they're okay mm-hmm. um but yeah and they're actually kind of involved still you know testifying and, and things like that but yeah mm-hmm. so that was what happened back in 2021 and you know it, closer to that date in 2021 early 2022 there were uh, criminal charges brought right mm-hmm. against members of the frac you talked through that initial round of charges yeah so the initial round of charges um it was three individuals uh and they were all you know sort of frat leadership right um Charges against one of the people um, was dropped um, back then, and basically what the idea was was that he, you know, had no direct involvement. He was mm-hmm. not, you know, telling anyone to drink more, right? So the charges against him were dropped. Um, but there are still two people who have been awaiting sentencing since 2022, uh, and they're charged with, you know, the the most severe charge is hazing, resulting in death. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a specific criminal charge. Yes, I see. There's not a ton of precedent for it either. You know, it's it's something that is is kind of you know newer. It, it's yeah. it's 15 years in okay. jail. And that. these are the individuals, 
you know, uh, sort of like elder members of the frat who were mm-hmm. directly involved with, I guess, kind of designing and encouraging this ritual that ended in the death? Yeah. Um, and then there's one person who, you know, the idea was they were, you know, there's a great story in the Lansing State Journal today that talks about this. Um, but, you know, it was this one person who was kind of in these group chats saying that he was going to be buying the alcohol for mm. the party. So sort of supplied the yeah. means of, of the, the death. Right. Yeah. But there's discrepancies over that. Um, you know, I would encourage you to to anyone to read the story um, in LSJ. But basically, you know, the defending attorney of that individual is saying there's actually no proof of a a transaction of any alcohol being bought. Talked about it in the group chat. Just that he expressed that he would buy supply some alcohol for the party. But then talk about what you've been covering this week. Mm -hmm. Years later, it's 2024. Yeah. And there's a new round of charges. Yeah. But not against those most directly involved, it's a sort of a broader group of MSU students, yeah. some, I guess, graduated now, former MSU students, MSU alums, yeah. who are being charged. Talk me through what are those charges? Yeah, so, you know, the truth is there's not a ton of detail um, as far as what exactly these people did or what their involvement was. Mm-hmm. We're kind of waiting on that. Um, all we've really gotten so far um, is a statement from, from the prosecutor's office um, basically just saying, you know, through further investigation um, that ELPD was doing, they, you know, un- they revealed that there were these people who were also involved um, and, and they need to be charged. I want to find the actual statement if I can. Um, yeah. Let's see. I know it's right here in this story. What am I? And so when they talk about it, so they've been investigating this over, because, you know, we thought this was sort of wrapped up, that this was done, but it seems by this announcement that they've actually been sort of further investigating and trying mm-hmm. to build charges against a wider array of people who yeah. are involved. But anyway, you have the statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this statement was originally given to MLive. Um, Ingham County Prosecutor John Dwayne said, further investigation by East Lansing Police resulted in the development of additional suspects. Suspects uh, That mm-hmm. further information was reviewed by the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office, uh, which filed the additional charges. I see. Yeah. Uh, and there was actually someone, someone I talked to in my story, um, He's an attorney who's representing someone who's been, you know, awaiting sentencing sentencing since, since 2022. One of the first people charged who were yes. directly involved. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he basically said, you know, um, I'm also looking for that. <clears throat> yeah. He basically said that he thinks there's a sort of here's his quote. Um, all of these people that were in or even at a fraternity where something happened, by their mere presence, they're being charged criminally. On everything I've seen, I don't see a basis for that, at least with respect to my client. Um, and this is... So uh, he's saying these new people that are charged are, are bystanders who are present that night. But exactly. Weren't involved in sort of designing or carrying out this ritualistic crossover. Yes, exactly. And that, the person who said that was Brian Morley, uh, the attorney who's representing Andrew Wen, um, who... Just to clarify, is not related to Fat Wen, who is um, who is the person who died. Um, but yeah, Brian Morley has been representing this individual since 22. And and, and yes, I he see. he is saying like he thinks that these implying that these people were kind of bystanders. But he also makes sure to sort of clarify that at least with regards to my client, like you know, yeah. my client was not you know involved. But yeah, he said he, he described it as like a mob mentality hmm. in bringing charges against people who may have been um, bystanders. And well, it's also is this is this sort of precedent to, you know, because I mean, talk about these charges they put together for the death related to hazing, that that's a new thing that prosecutors mm-hmm. are able to do. Yeah. Um, is this also being charging these, you know, alleged, I guess, bystanders, this lawyers are saying people who weren't directly involved. Yeah. Is that is that new? Is that precedented? Is there, you know, a way that we can figure out how this is going to look like? Or is this something that's uh, sort of new territory? Yeah, it, it is new territory. Um, 
I don't I don't know if there's maybe like a super niche example somewhere, but you know, all indicators are that yeah, this is this is not something that um, happens really. And it, it's also worth noting that you know the family um, of of Fat Wen who was who was killed, um, mm-hmm. or I don't know if that's how we should phrase it, um, but you know who died that night. Um, you know, they are being represented by a law firm that actually specializes in frat hazing litigation. Um, and there's not a lot of firms out there that do that, you know, so it's 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 definitely kind of a new territory. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is interesting, you know, something for people to watch if they're interested. And it's, it almost reminds me of, you know, uh, there's been so much attention on this Crumbly trial, mm-hmm. right, as, you know, the country reckons with the idea of school shootings, of how can we, through the criminal legal system, maybe charge a broader mm-hmm. array of people with their sort of participation in it. Maybe this case, which I'm sure you'll be closely following. Yep. State news can be an example for people looking, you know, as we deal with, you know, uh, changing conceptions of hazing and, you know, Greek life, yeah. you know, what um, prosecutors can do in these situations. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what else you, you cover as this develops over the next, you know, months and years and such. Yeah, um, for sure. So that's not our only topic of the agenda mm-hmm. today. We've got you for a couple more minutes, Owen. Yeah. Um, divestment. Yes. And you and I, you know, so for people not familiar, over the past few months, since October 7th, this conflict, Israel and Gaza, there's been a lot of activism on campus asking MSU to divest from these investments, you know, some directly with the state of Israel, some with these weapons manufacturers they believe are tied to the conflict and sort of broader conflicts across the world. And we've covered a lot of students demanding this, students saying they want this or want that, the university being relatively uh, resistant Mm -hmm. to those demands. What we hadn't done until now and what you and I set out to do over the last week or so is write a story that's like, all right, let's say MSU was completely into this. MSU said students, that are protesting and demanding this. We agree with you guys, we wanna do this, we wanna yeah. divest. Could the university actually do that? If that's even possible, what would that look like? Right. And if it's not possible, why is it not possible? And that's the story we wrote. It's yeah. a story that I think is an important read for anybody who's interested in this issue. For sure. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. and we will get into that, and spoiler alert, those listening, endowments, they're complicated, but you and I, I think, are gonna do a great job of simplifying yeah. it, yeah. Um, I hope. Otherwise, I think we've already done it, a great you know, show. our story, you know, but, it yeah. breaks it down. Uh, but anyway, before we get into that, I, I want you to tell me about what exactly these investments are that yeah. students are saying MSU needs to pull out of. Yeah. So for one, it's uh, it's a U.S. Treasury bond marked as giving aid to the state of Israel, and it's valued at um, $236,114. dollars Mm-hmm. And then the other one, um, it's about $600 million in private portfolios from the following firms, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, BlackRock, and BNY Mellon, which the students say fund weapons manufacturing. It's important to note some of those companies, namely, um, you know, Boeing, Boeing and Lockheed, Lockheed Martin, Martin you know. they are weapons manufacturers. Yeah, the other ones are more complicated. Yes. We'll get into that. And the Treasury bond is complicated, too, because mm-hmm. what MSC tells us is that it's uh, bond funding aid to Israel but it's, it's a U.S. Treasury bond, but it's not necessarily military aid. It's actually right. earmarked only for refinancing Israeli debt. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of one of MSU's responses <clears throat> to these students, you know, is that, like, well, it's not necessarily military. It's just sort of a debt thing. Yeah. I don't think the students are necessarily appeased by that. Exactly. Um, but anyway, okay, so now let's get into this, right? And kind of the thesis, the central finding yeah. of our story is that, you know, the conflict here isn't necessarily students saying, MSU, you need to divest from these investments, and MSU saying, no, we don't want to do that. What we've learned is that the university endowment isn't like, you know, um, the investments you or I might have if we were just saving money for, you know, whatever, yeah. where we choose, let's put our money in this or that, and we can pull in and out at any time. Right. It's kind of sold off to these exactly. third parties, these asset managers who control it for them. Mm-hmm. And so our conversations with university officials about this, yeah. they basically said, 
it's not even our thing. We yeah. can't. We don't control it. And yeah. I think one of the, the uh, detail almost um, uh, it's the lead of our story, an incredibly telling detail of this whole thing, mm-hmm. is that MSU's own CFO, the yeah. top financial administrator at the university didn't even know they had these investments until students started posting on Instagram about it. Yeah. We have this email from her in December yeah. that we got through FOIA where she's saying, like, I didn't even know we had this till I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. Um, it was some asset manager who did that. Right. But talk me through with these specific investments, the yeah. private funds and the treasury bond. Uh, MSU, what did they say, you know, when we asked the officials, you know, responsible for this, what is it possible to pull out of these funds? And if mm-hmm. so, how would that work? Yeah. So, you know, the first something we highlight in the story is that um, this gentleman named Jeff Reyes, he's the assistant vice president of financial management. He described it as chaotic, at least in the terms of the Israeli bond, um, because basically the idea is, you know, these uh, at least with, you know, indexes and bond indexes, a lot of times they follow things like the S&P 500. um, You know, they follow these large bond indexes where things are constantly coming in and out Mm -hmm. based on how well they're performing. And, you know, for example, like BNY Mellon is one of these asset managers. They have these indexes and they're constantly fluctuating, right? In MSU, you know, it's unclear if they have a contract that says this or exactly how it works, but MSU cannot alter the, the portfolios. Yeah, that these... I mean, he basically saying MSU can't, uh, can't or won't tell its asset yeah. managers, you know, don't do that one, don't do that one, but do that one. They just buy yes. these funds, what those funds actually include, the individual right. line items, MSU feels they don't have actual control over. Right, and and what they can do is, you know, they can they can flag it for these asset managers and, and bring it to their attention. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he said that they have done that. He said that MSU has reached out to asset managers um, and basically asked, like, are other institutions asking you about this? Mm-hmm. Are other people bringing this to your attention? And he said that the asset managers replied and said, no, we haven't heard anything. Really? Yeah. No one else has asked them to, to look at this? Exactly. That's what he said. Yeah. And, and then he, and he says, you know, it's not necessarily that MSU is completely blind in this process. They're not just mm-hmm. telling people, like, put our money where you want to put it. Right. But he says, you know, they give them this criteria. And what he says is that it's, uh, he says, we don't select them with a political component, or her right. words. He says, or his words. He says, it does not exist in the criteria. He's just looking for a purely fiduciary, what can you do with the university's money yep. so that tomorrow the university has more money than it did yesterday. Exactly. Um, and so what are you know these students who have protested for so long, what do they have to say about this whole network of asset managers that prevents MSU from really going through this divestment? Yeah. Well, for one, you know, there's there's a somewhat, you know, kind of prominent activist on our campus um, named Saba Saeed, mm-hmm. who said that, you know, this was news to her. She hadn't even, yeah. in her words, she said they haven't even give us, given us the time of day to give us an excuse. Um, so, yeah. So it was, this it was asset managers thing isn't even something they had been thinking about previously. Right. Exactly. And then what about, you know, because some of the other students we talked about were ones who have been involved. This is not the first time students have seen investments MSU made that they don't like and protested mm-hmm. and said MSU needs to divest. Mm-hmm. You know, what of uh, talk about, you know, we talked to Jesse Estrada White, yeah. who's done this in sort of a, um, in environmental context. Yeah. Is this the first time MSU's talked with these asset managers or is this coming up multiple times? Yeah. So, so Jesse Estrada White um, is someone who is uh, an organizer with Sunrise. You know, it's a national movement that's been around for a handful of years. And, you know, they've got a, a pretty active affiliate here at MSU. And so he's been you know, talking about divestment from oil and gas companies for a while. And he says that this is the almost verbatim the same thing he heard, where basically, you know, the university said, our hands are tied. You know, we don't have a ton of control over these these companies um, and our asset managers and everything. So so we can't necessarily just pull that out. In fact, they've said that can lead to breach of contract litigation. Mm. If MSU goes and says, 
hey, asset manager, cancel that right now or we're done with you. It doesn't work like that. that and I remember even you know a year ago writing about direct investments MSU's made mm -hmm. into fossil fuel firms. MSU telling me like, if we said today, we just took our money out of the fossil fuel firms, we're gonna get a breach of contract suit from the firm and then we're gonna end up paying that firm more money than we otherwise would, trying yeah. to pay out some settlement for breaching that agreement. Yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing. But Jesse, I don't think he's accepting that, no. that answer. He says in the story, this great quote where he says, you know, that yes, MSU feels that it's in this bind where even if they agreed with these students, they wouldn't actually be able to do this divestment. Mm -hmm. But he said it's still their policy that they chose yeah. to basically kind of sell the endowment away right. to asset managers that control it and kind of obfuscate their own you know, responsibility for the investments. Yeah. But what about, you know, this is not even further back than Sunrise. Go back, mm -hmm. you know, 50 years yeah. to divestment from apartheid South Africa. Yeah. That is a successful effort. That's yes. an effort where students told the university they didn't like investments and MSU did divest. The first university in the nation to divest. A yeah. lot of historians say that MSU spurred the national mm -hmm. divestment movement amongst universities. Why is that different? Why could they do it then and not now? Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing to understand, and, and this is what we've heard from these people who, who are really in this world, in the finance world. And, kind of study it as yeah, academics. Exactly. Um, is, you know, the market and the instruments that we have for investment now are just vastly more complicated than they were back then. Mm -hmm. And also, when it comes to endowments, you know, universities really used to have a team of people that sat around and said, where do we want to put our money? This is where we want to put our money for these X, Y, and Z reasons. That's not how it works anymore, though. It's, now it's, it's sort of selling it to third parties. Yeah. In fact, you know, Harvard was one of the last universities, um, obviously a massive endowment, one of the last universities to have more direct control. But even Harvard now, you know, it's it's not in their hands. You know? Yeah. And so why can't, why couldn't a university go back to that? Because we talked to somebody who, mm -hmm. you know, not only do they study this, they run this nonprofit, all they do is activism and, you know, research around university endowments. You yeah. know, why can't a university go back to having a dedicated staff that runs its own endowment instead of selling it away to third parties? Yeah, so so uh, this guy, George Dyer, um, who we talked to, who's the executive director of the Intentional Endowments Network, like mm -hmm. you said, you know, they work with trying to, you know, allow universities to align their kind of institutional goals with their investments. Yeah. And, you know, basically what he's saying is the reason why they're not going to switch back to this model where they have control is because one single university could never match the level of expertise in all the sectors of the financial world. They could never match the level, level of expertise of these, you know, massive, you know, asset managers that are all over the world and have a ton of employees and a ton of money behind them themselves. You know, so the idea is, you know, these asset managers, they really do in each sector, if it's whether it's global emerging markets, whether it's, you know, bonds, every single sector of the market, they have this expertise in a university, one university just simply could not match that level. Yeah. Well, you know, I think over the next weeks and months, the students, you know, they are undeterred. We were at a, you know, an MSU student government meeting last week mm -hmm. where uh, not unanimously, but with a, you know, um, the only vote in opposition was one abstention. Every yeah. other student in the student government voted in favor mm -hmm. of a resolution calling for MSU to do this divestment. This week at Faculty Senate at the yep. University Steering Committee next month, there's going to be similar resolutions debated. It seems the pressure on MSU is not going to, you know, uh, stall whatsoever. The pressure right. is still there, but you know, the university feels it's really in a bind where mm -hmm. this isn't something that's possible to do. So we'll continue to cover it. Um, but I'm glad we could have this discussion today because yeah. it's an important way to understand it. For sure. And thank you more broadly, Owen, just for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having um, me, Alex. Yeah. Well, that's all for this week of the 1909. 
We'll be back next week with fresh reporting from the great minds here at the State News. Until then, all the stories we discussed and a bunch more are available at statenews.com. Again, thank you to you, Owen, for coming on the show, our podcast director, Anthony Brinson, our video producer, Brad LaPlante, and most of all, thank you for listening. Uh, For the 1909, I'm Alex Walters.